Welcome to HRI's Next in Health podcast. I'm Jenny Colapetro, PwC's Vice Chair for Health Industries, working across pharmaceuticals, medtech, payers, and providers. I'm Ruz Belmadian, a guest host, practicing surgeon, and a director at PwC Strategy and focusing on large-scale health system enterprise strategy, clinical transformations, and M&A. And I'm Igor Belokronitsky, a principal with PwC Strategy End, where I get to help leading health organizations with their strategies and operating models. And today we have three hosts because we needed three people to keep up with our guest. Igor Ruzbe and I are here with the PwC alum, David Levy. David is the current CEO of EHE Health, a primary care physician, epidemiologist, and renowned strategic thinker with a long past of founding, leading, and turning around a variety of healthcare companies that focus on improving human health. David, thanks so much for joining us. Jenny, uh, thank you and your colleagues for having me and for that very gracious introduction. It's great to be back at PwC today. Thank you. And David, it's so great to see you again, given all the hats that you wear. Could you share a little bit about your journey to EHE and where are you taking EHE today? Well, you know, that's a great question. And I kind of came on a straight path, but I would say with some crooked lines. And that is after being a primary care physician and uh, starting a company that focused on complex patients and then spending time I did with PwC focused on payer providers and other sectors of the industry. It really intrigued me that there were a whole group of patients that really had not been addressed appropriately, particularly in the U.S. and particularly with new opportunities after the Affordable Care Act was passed. And those were patients essentially who were episodic users of the healthcare system, mostly healthy episodic care, meaning primary care, times women's health, mental health, and the like. It represents about 75% of the people and accounts for about a third of the premium, yet still completely disorganized. And frankly, payers and providers not really understanding how to engage those kinds of folks. And when the opportunity to lead EHE Health came up, My view was it had been a business model that was focused on just a small number of employees in large companies. I presented the idea that it ought to be looked at as a preventive health and population health platform for all employees in any given population. And that's what kind of got me here, the opportunity to really transform what EHE Health was into the first national platform for preventive health and primary care. So that's how I got here. And it's been a really interesting journey past five years. David, in your remarks, you already mentioned preventive health and population health. And this is an area that is notoriously difficult to get right. So would you tell us how EHE goes after preventive health and makes it more effective? So the most important issue that I face every day and the biggest challenge of the company, frankly, is the idea that people who are currently not engaged in the system are only episodically engaged, don't behave like anybody else in the healthcare system. Essentially, they are consumers. And while the rest of the sectors in the economy have figured out how to meet people where they are, how to engage them in a wide variety of ways to bring them into their ecosystem, healthcare really has not figured that out. So the idea was to bring together skills and experience from the consumer sectors into the traditional legacy healthcare sector and see how together we could create a transformative type of experience to engage people where they haven't otherwise been engaged. And that has been basically the motto 
really of the business. People ask me, I, I really actually don't hire from the healthcare industry other than our providers and people who have to deal with the traditional legacy system. Most of the hires, the vast majority, whether that's marketing, product, or IT, they all come from outside of the healthcare sector to be able to address people in a completely different way. So that's the way I think about preventive health and population medicine. You know, the fact is, is that preventive health is for everybody, you know, and disease management or complex care management is only for some people. So on a pure population level, you know, had to create an experience and an engagement model that's unique and highly differentiated from the traditional healthcare models. Dr. Levy, I'm so glad that you mentioned providers. Uh, we are both physicians and I bet you wear your clinician hat in your role often and recognize the pivotal role clinician workforce plays in care delivery. With clinician burnout on the rise and the great resignation in healthcare, how is EHE improving the clinician experience and how is this impacting care to the consumer? Well, you know, that's a great question. You know, who are our providers around the country? When I started at EHE, we didn't have a fairly extensive network and we actually built the business on some of our wholly owned clinics, but realized that we really didn't want to go down at building new brick and mortar and clinics, you know, around the country. I personally felt that if you found physicians who shared your vision, that if you sat down with a human being and spent an hour with them and learned about their families, their lifestyle, that in fact, you could probably have a better impact and outcome for those patients. And so our view is that our providers are really our partners and we have a shared vision and a shared point of view about what it means to be primary care physician. So in that regard, we have moved completely away from the RVU-based model. We have a bundled fee-for-service model. About a third of the time of the hour that the patient spends with the physician is engaged in what's called shared decision-making, namely thinking through and together collaborating on what the best testing or what the diagnosis or what the most appropriate screening is for any given patient to drive to ultimately best pathway, the best treatment plan for screening. So this approach is not well recognized in the traditional system. Frankly, it is not well reimbursed by the system. So what we do is we do this, as I mentioned, a bundle fee for service. We pay our physicians handsomely, but we ask them to spend an hour with the patient and to have a good comprehensive discussion. Frankly, just like I was trained as a primary care physician, first visit ought to be a comprehensive hour-long visit and then to move on uh, thereafter. There's no pre-certification. There are no formal fillings and the like. Patient is seen, the data is entered, the conversation is had follow every single visit with surveys with our patients. We jump on top of a problem when we see it, help the physician address some of those problems, some of those customer-facing problems, and we move on. So I think the providers feel like they're not in a mill. They're in a kind of what many of them went into medicine to begin with was to sit down and to engage with a human being. Frankly, one of the first questions we asked the doctors who wanted to do our network is, do you like talking to people? And it's amazing. Most Primary care physicians who have been trained in internal medicine or pediatrics or family practice, they really like talking to people. And so we allow them to get back to what they went into medicine for to begin with. David, you've described this model of care that you've been developing and how it benefits the patients and how it benefits the providers who are involved and are on the other side of the table. On the podcast, we frequently take the pulse of the various value-based care initiatives that are going on around the country and how they're doing, how they're being adopted. 
what kind of results they're creating. And so curious to hear your view on the various value-based care models that are out there, how you're thinking about them, how you're participating in them, and where you think things are headed in the value-based world. Well, that's a really big and complicated question because the issue of value-based care really depends and, and how one participates depend on what kind of medicine you practice and it frankly, in what kind of setting. And when I think about value-based care, I think about the traditional spectrum of reimbursement. It starts, I would call it from the very left-hand side, not the political left, just the axis on the left-hand side of pure fee-for-service model, all the way to the right-hand side, which is a fully capitated model. And we at EHE Health sit somewhere in the middle in that we offer a bundled fee-for-service model. And as you well know, bundled fee-for-service has its inherent risks that services are underprovided for, although it does protect for overutilization of services. The way we deal with that with our providers is we make sure that all of the requirements in the bundle are delivered to the patients and we audit that very assiduously. As it relates to the whole value-based movement, for sure there are excesses in the healthcare system. We all understand that. And there's a wide variety of approaches on how to eliminate excesses. I would just say that personally, I would very strongly caution anybody entering into value-based contracts without some core foundational, trustworthy measurement tools. Because, you know, the industry is rife with all sorts of biases from severity adjustment to, frankly, lots of payers and I would say even employers having difficulty, I hate to say this, but counting. Then you look at the issue of smaller populations and employers, and you look at a whole host of issues around access and benefit changes. And the value-based model can produce tremendous value, but all parties have to agree essentially on what the measurement constructs are before you can engage in a meaningful contract. How many times have we heard about providers jumping into these contracts and doing fabulous, you know, in year one and year two, and then basically getting their clocks cleaned in year three, four, and five. And so, you know, I would assert that a lot of the issues around value-based contract are immature or just emerging measurement tools. So my view would be anybody entering into those contracts ought to be very certain about what it is exactly the questions that are being asked and exactly how you're going to measure if you're answering and you're performing against those questions that are being asked. David, if you're hearing some background noise, it's our army of actuaries cheering to hear your answer to that question. Was that a good answer? Uh, It is excellent. Oh, okay, good. Thanks. (laughs) Well, David, thank you so much for joining us today. We've really enjoyed hearing your journey and how you've helped shape EHE Health to focus on preventative health and population medicine. So thank you for your time and joining us. Thank you all. It's so great to be back here at PwC and to see uh, for once again after about nine or 10 years of absence. So I really appreciate the opportunity and I look forward to seeing you all again. Thank you. So as promised, a great conversation and a very different take on healthcare, focusing on preventive care rather than on sick care, focusing on giving clinicians more time rather than driving higher productivity and focusing on the spirit of the value-based care rather than just the letter. And so thank you, David. For more on these topics and other health industry insights driven by policy, innovation, and care delivery changes, please visit our website at pwc.com forward slash HRI. 
Until next time, this has been Next in Health. This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.